0: So um, I think we need to pray for him and for us uh, so that we hear what God has to say. Heavenly Father, we know we're in your hands. We've just sung, you've got the whole world in your hands. And we know that life isn't always a bed of roses. But we want it to be real in our lives that no matter what happens, we are close to you. Mm. That we don't ever give up. That we don't become bitter or complaining. Mm. Lord, we need you to fill our minds and our hearts. So we pray for Adrian this morning that you would... Give him the right words mm. and the right emphasis and that you would open our hearts and our eyes to see you mm. and to touch you yeah. and to receive your touch this morning. We pray, praise you and thank you mm. and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks, Pat. Oh, <laughs> good morning. Well, first thing to say is that for those of you who haven't heard, Miriam is expecting a baby boy. So I'm going to have some male company in the house, which I must say I'm greatly looking forward to. Um, if I was to um, preach like some people do, first of all I would put on an Armani suit. I don't own an Armani suit. I hasten to add. Um, I would put on my designer glasses. (sighs) I would um, have my hair done in a bouffant (laughs) and have all the grey ones removed. Um, I would then stand up here and give you all rose-tinted glasses and say to you that now you're a Christian, your walk is going to be absolutely easy and perfect and that if you send me $10... I will send you a prayer cloth and you will be okay. Um, And I will get very rich and have a nice Rolex watch. Um, But I'm I'm glad to tell you I'm not like that. (laughs) Um, And can I say that that is not the gospel as well. Um, Some would portray that as being the gospel. And actually they're peddling the gospel. They're selling it for their own goods. Um, But that is not the gospel. And that is not actually what Christian life is very often about. Um, And I want to, as Pat said, I'm I'm taking quite a tricky subject this morning and really it follows on from where John preached when I was last here, the week before last, where he talked about the disciples actually came away rejoicing in their suffering. Now that's quite a a hard thing to take in, isn't it? Quite a hard thing to understand. Um, But we all actually deal and have to face and live with suffering at times in our life and very often it's a thing that the church doesn't talk about and it's something that we need to talk about because we all need to deal with it and I felt God lay this on my heart and it's probably not a popular thing and you're probably sitting there thinking oh no what's he going to say but I'm going to come and try and help people with my thoughts and it's not perfect but it's what I believe God's given me to share today. Um, If you dial back to when creation started, I believe then the world was totally perfect when God made it. Totally as he wanted it. Totally perfect. There wasn't any issues in this world. And God made you and I and Adam and Eve with a free will because he actually wanted relationship with us. So he gave us a free will to make a meaningful relationship. Otherwise, it would be a bit like me having that screen up there and typed in the computer, Adrian, is great, flashing. You know, that doesn't really mean anything. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> but that doesn't really mean anything, does it? But if you've got something that out of their own free will and their own free choice that, that wants to be with you, that wants to communicate with you, that wants to talk with you, then that becomes meaningful. And that's why God made you and I with a free will, because he actually desired our presence He desired our relationship, and he desired something that was meaningful. So you've got a free will here today, and you can decide, and you can decide for or against on many issues. But the thing was that when that free will was given to man, man in the very first first stance really almost blew it in the form of Adam because he sinned. And that allowed God's perfect world to become tainted because of man's free choice. And unfortunately, whether you like it or not, you now live in a world that is tainted because of the sin of Adam. I'm sorry, but that's a hard fact. And that means that there is suffering in the world because of it. If you you read in um, Genesis 3, verse 16, um, and God talks about what happened, one of the key things there, you see pain mentioned for the first time, and it talks about the fact that um, pain will be given to ladies During childbirth. Now, I've not given birth, believe it or not. But I think there are a few ladies here that have given birth. And ladies, if that was painful, could you put your hand up? I see a lot of hands going up. I've witnessed four births. And there was a lot of screaming at each one of them. Sorry, Liz, to embarrass you. And I screamed once. Because I leant across Lizzie as she got a contraction and she bit my arm. (laughs) So... Pain came, I, I joke, but at this point, because of man's fall, pain and suffering came into the earth. Now, it's very interesting um, that the physical often matches what's happening in the spiritual. The two go hand in hand, side by sides. Um, and it would be very naive of us if we was just to think, well, that was just for ladies giving birth. It wasn't. And if you read in uh, Romans 8.22, I think we will read it, actually. I'm going to come back to this bit of Romans a bit later on. Here we go. It says, um, Romans 8.22, where are we? It says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together. So, folks, it wasn't just pain given for childbirth the whole of creation is groaning because of the fall of man. And this can encompass many things that we would... Do people want to shout out some of the things you think you suffer with? Or I'll suggest some. Well, what do people think that we suffer with? Six. Sickness. is a key one. We, many of us at times suffer with sickness. Anything else? Love. Loss of a loved one? Yeah, particularly. A <laughs> very hard one to face. Anything else? Shall I suggest a few? I think we can suffer with financial hardship or poverty. I think we can suffer with loneliness. And there are many, many things that we can suffer with. And it's very naive to sit here and think that Christians won't face these issues. We do face these issues. And the only way we can succeed is by getting hold of God... In these issues. And I just felt God wanted me to lay this before you today. To challenge you. Um, now another thing that I a thought I want to put into your mind. That suffering is very often a time of transition. If you think about a baby being born. It's painful for the lady for a time. But also after that painful experience. I've seen the face as the baby goes into the arms. And the pain goes and the transition is there and new life has come forth. And you could also think about that in what Jesus did for you and I. He went through a very, very painful thing for you or I. But at the end of it, it enabled our new birth. So folks, I felt that God wanted to say that, look, when you're into pain, there is going to be an end to it and there is going to be something new from it. Lizzie and I came to this church because at the time we were in a very... Painful situation, and we're creatures of comfort. Who here is not a creature of comfort? (laughs) We like to stay where we know, where we can predict, where we're in control of the situation. And sometimes God has to allow things to hot up a bit for us to move us on in our walk with Him because otherwise we would stay in our comfort zone. And Liz and I only came here because where we were before became distinctly uncomfortable. But I tell you what, I'm very glad God moved me on. Because the, the, the church I've experienced here for the last 10 or 11 years has been absolutely superb church and church life. And I wouldn't have enjoyed that had I not gone through that pain of being moved on here. And so at times when we suffer, we need to look at the end plan of what is happening. Now, can I? what I want to do is just explore some thoughts on examples of, quickly in the Old Testament, some examples of suffering, and then look a bit further about how do we handle. The first thing I want to do is, is because very often suffering can be looked upon as, the Bible would talk about it as maybe being in a hot place, fire. It might be in a desert place, or it might be a place where there's rising water. These are all pictures the Bible uses to show you um, that people there went through suffering. Now, God's chosen people, Israel, He gave a promise to Abraham. You can read about it in Genesis 15, verse 18. He gave a promise to Abraham about a promised land. But what happened to the people of Israel? First of all, they ended up in captivity under the Egyptians, where I was last week. And they had hardship there. And then God had to send plagues to get them liberated from the land. It's not known fully how long those plagues lasted, but it's reckoned around 40 days. And so then they went via an Exodus, didn't they? They were liberated from their um, captivity in Egypt. If you read about it, they went through the Red Sea, and that was, if you like, a type and figure of their baptism, um, passing through water. The same way as if you've been saved and you've been baptised, you've passed through water, they left Egypt to go to the promised land. But then you'd think, well, God would take them straight to it, wouldn't you? You would, wouldn't you? You'd think, well, he's given the promise, he's taken them out, straight to it. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Forty years spent in the desert. Forty years spent spent in the desert, and I felt God wanted to say to people today, if I've given you a promise, cling to the promise, don't worry about the time scale. Cling to the promise, because God's timings are not our timings. And I don't know about you, but we're, I'm an impatient man at times. <laughs> and we do live in a far, now a far far more instant society now than we ever have done. News bounces around the world at a great rate of knots. You don't have to wait for a letter in the post. The email is there five seconds later. Pressure is greater than ever. But God doesn't work like that all the time. So I felt God wanted to say to people today, be patient. Forty years in the wilderness before they entered the promise that God had for them. Forty years in a desert place. Now, I don't know about you, but the desert is hot Where I was last week was in the middle of the desert, really. It was hot, it was arid, there wasn't much to look at. Not, unless you're by the sea, a very pleasant place to be. But God did not leave them. And I just thought, we need to look at how God handles situations when we're in a desert place. God God was there. He guided by a pillar of fire and a cloud. He didn't leave them in the desert place. He was with them. And wherever you are today... God is with you. Don't let the devil tell you that you've been deserted, that you're on your own and that you've got to cope on your own. God is with you in the desert place. And the next thing he did, quite miraculously, he fed them. He fed them quails and manna. You can read all about this in Exodus. So their physical needs for living were met. And I believe God will say to you today, God will meet your needs. It might not be everything that you want, but there is a difference between a need and a want. God will meet your needs. And how about this? They were in the desert for 40 years, and it says their clothes didn't wear out, and their feet didn't swell. Wandering around the desert for 40 years, they were all right. And it it actually says... um, that all their needs were met. Nehemiah 9 verse 21. You have a look at that. They weren't in want for the practical needs of living, even though they were in the desert for 40 years. And that desert was the transition place between the captivity and entering the promise. The same way as the, the baby goes through a period of pain and then the joy of having the baby. Same thing. The children of Israel went through the desert to get to the promise. Now another character we could look at is one of my favourites, a guy called Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. I can remember being taught it as a small boy at Southborough Park Baptist with the flannel graph. Can you remember the flannel graphs with the little sticky men? And I can always remember Joseph's multicoloured coat going up there and I thought, wow, that looks good. Um, But Joseph, at an early age at 17, was given a dream. And that dream was that he was going to be the head man. He was going to be the boss. But if you look at what happened to him, you'd think, well, that's fine. He's got his word from God. He's going to be the boss. Look at what happened to him. His brothers, his very family, rejected him. Even thought about killing him. Put him in a well. Well and Walter involved again. Interesting, isn't it? Going from his promise, possibly through a symbol of baptism there. Sold into slavery. Not going so well, is it? Got a promise from God. And, and then, from there, he works his way up and gets recognition in Potiphar's house. But then if you look, he, he becomes falsely accused for a rape or a sexual thing that didn't happen. And gets slung in prison. Not going so well for someone who's been told he's got a promise that he's going to be a leader. So once again, folks, cling to the promise of God over your life. This man was, you can work out the timings, it said he took power um, uh, when he was 30. He got his promise at 17, so he had 13 years of either slavery, servanthood or prison. And you don't actually read that he moaned, you don't actually read that he had a poor old me, a pom party, you read that what he did while he was in prison, God was with him. He found his God in prison. And because he found his God in prison, he succeeded. And we need to, you might think you're in a prison today, you need to find your God in your prison situation. Whether you're in sickness or whatever it is, find your God in that situation because Joseph succeeded because God was with him. And it's lovely to think that, you know, it was the cupbearer that came out and made mention before the king. A cupbearer came out. And that's a type and figure of what Jesus does for you. The cupbearer in his blood. He goes to Father. Jesus is the cupbearer for you today before Father. And so you make known to Jesus. And so Joseph actually was liberated from prison and took the promised position that God had for him. But he had to work to get there. He had to be faithful through hard times. You know, if it was all easy for us all the time, it wouldn't really mean very much, would it? If it was all easy and we just got there. And you think of the, the, the famous people in history, very often they're famous because they've overcome. And who did we as a country vote as our most, what was it, famous or best Britain? Who, can you remember who we voted for as a country? It was a few years ago they did this big vote. Hmm? It was Churchill. Now, Churchill is famous because he overcame in adversity. If the war hadn't have happened, we wouldn't be remembering Churchill. The war happened and he led this country to victory. He led this country to overcome in a, in a suffering situation. And he is remembered because he overcame in a suffering situation. And folks, do you want to be remembered as overcoming? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. So there we go. I've gone ahead of myself. Then lastly, you think about our Lord Jesus on this earth. Born as he was very meekly into a stable. Born as he was to the son of a carpenter. Nothing that you would write home about. For the first 30 years of his, his life, he didn't start His ministry. He spent 30 years on it. You'd think, well, it's God's son. He could do it straight away. But he didn't, did he? He lived as a man on this earth until he was 30 in preparation. Once again, quite a period of waiting and preparation, even for the son of God. So if Jesus goes through a period of wait, folks, I think we might have to expect to as well. And it starts, you know, with Jesus... He's baptised, you can read about that in Matthew 3.17 and God says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. A lovely thing for Father to say about Son. And you'd think, well that's it, then wouldn't you? That's it, Jesus can now get on with it. But what actually happens? He's led out into the desert by the Spirit. Even Jesus went through a desert experience. So if he did, I'm sure we will do at some stage in our life. And Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Isn't isn't it interesting? 40, following through from what happened to Israel. 40 years, 40 40 days and 40 nights. And then the devil came to try and tempt him. I think you all know the story. Turn the stones into bread. Jump off the pillar or I'll give you all um, that you see. Um, But Jesus didn't give in, did he? He overcame. Didn't give in, even at the point of weakness when he hadn't eaten for 40 days. So, I think by looking at that, we can ascertain that there has been suffering in the Old Testament. There has been suffering in the New Testament. And I think each one of us at times will go through a period of suffering. Um, This is an interesting verse. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3 says, Suffer hardship as a good soldier. Ooh. Suffer hardship as a good soldier. Now, I'm learning a bit about soldiers now because we've got one in the family. And it's not all very easy at times. They do suffer hardship. Um, Even in their training. uh, And James goes off to Scotland and sleeps outside for nine days. Now, who here would like to sleep under the stars in the open air for nine days, even in training? I wouldn't want to do that. We saw that horrific incident while we were away where the soldier, for being a soldier, was attacked. Absolutely horrific. And so, Scripture tells us we're to suffer hardship as a good soldier. Luke 9, verse 23 says, Take up your cross and follow me. The cross that we have is there is not an object of ease and comfort, it's a, it's a place of death and real hardship and pain. And we're told, if, we, if we've got this, we've got to take up our cross and follow Jesus. So, it's not easy though, is it? It's not easy, and I wouldn't like to say I've got an answer for it all. But we have to keep going. Jesus promises us freedom, uh, not freedom from suffering, but he promises us peace. They're two different things. Now the question is, um, how do we find that peace? And um, there's a verse it talks about, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8, it says that um, we can be afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing. So sometimes we won't understand What is going on? Sometimes we might have things flying from us at all angles. Can you think when you... I know I've had periods of my life when I think, what's going on? Because things are going wrong left, right and centre. Um, And that's the point where we need to be maybe perplexed because we don't understand it, but not despairing because we have one who does understand it, who can cope with it and who can see us through the other side. Um, So what do we do, folks, when we suffer? What do we do? Well, there's one very simple thing, and this might sound simplistic, but I'm going to really promote it to you this morning. James 5.13 says, If any is suffering, let him pray. I can't answer your problems or my problems very often. So what do I do? I go to the man who can. And I want to promote to you today that if you're in a point of suffering, if you're in a point of perplexion where you don't understand what's going on, go to Jesus and ask him. Go to him and pray and speak to him and spend time with your Lord. Spend time with your Lord. And and folks, this is something you have to do. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. We've got to do it ourselves. God is a personal God for you. And you've got to go and get in your prayer room or in your quiet place and pray to him. And it's alright to be honest with him, you know. God is big enough to take your honest questions. But you've got to go and ask them for yourself. So, can I urge you to do this? And you know what? Paul did this, and I want to read this. This is in... Two Corinthians chapter twelve, because this is some lovely scripture here. Where should we go from? Verse seven, two Corinthians twelve, verse seven. And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason to keep me from exalting myself there was given to me a thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan to buffet me to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So he did this folks. He went and prayed to God about his situation. And not once, he did it three times. So don't be, if you feel you've not got an answer from God, go back and ask again. God's big enough to take a few questions. He wants to hear your voice. And it's interesting, you know, because not always will what we suffer or have be taken away. And in this instance, Paul says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected. In weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, which insults, uh, sorry, with insults, with distress, with persecution and difficulties for Christ's sake. For whom I am weak, then I am strong. God's grace, as you seek Him, will be enough for you to get through. But you have to do the seeking of God. You have to do the seeking of God. My grace is sufficient for you. You see, as we said earlier, when God made man, God is actually jealous for knowing us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when life's going easy, it's all too easy to sail on without God, isn't it? And sometimes he needs to give us a little jolt or allow a little jolt in our life to pull us back to his side. Um, And that's really what Paul was saying there. you know, That God had to let him have a little thorn in the side so that he didn't get too carried away in his own strength and in his own abilities. Um, Because God wants us not to be self-sufficient and it's very, particularly in English culture, stiff upper lip and Everything else. It's very easy to say, well, I'm in control. I'm in command. I'm a quiet, stoic man. And But that's not actually what God wants. God wants men and women who are close to his side and dependent on him. So can I urge you again, if you're suffering and if you're struggling, go to God and pray to him. You know. And as we draw near to him, he will strengthen you. Um, as we draw near to seek his Spirit, his Holy Spirit will come to you. And it's promised to you. you know, It says that Ephesians 3.16 says, um, you'll be strengthened in power through his Spirit in the inner man. You will be given the strength to cope with what you have to face as you draw near to him. And we will overcome and God has called us to be Overcomers like we discussed earlier about Churchill being famous because he overcome, you will overcome because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You will overcome. And you know, we need to put our lives in context because our 70 years on this earth might seem a long time, but compared with the annals of, compared with the annals of time, it's a relatively short Period. And the period of time you have on this earth compared with your time in eternity is minuscule. Absolutely minuscule. And a few years or whatever or moments of suffering on this earth compared with the eternity spent with Christ is small. And a day is coming when Jesus will return. I just want to read, I want to go back into Romans 8 because it's such good scripture. And this is a bit of medicine for us all. And I include me in that. So it's Romans 8. This is um, from verse 18. It says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longings of creation wait eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God." For the creation was subject to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but we also, we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but in hope that is seen is not sorry, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does anyone also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. And in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray also, as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us, groaning too deep for words. Folks, if you don't know how to pray in English for your situation, speak in tongues to Father. The Spirit will do it for you. And he who searches the hearts, knows the minds of the Spirit, is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's Jesus interceding for us. And we know that God causes. All things to work together for good. To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purposes. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to, to become conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And um, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, also he, ju- he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say? These things, if God is for us, who is against us? And can I say to you today, God is for you, He who did not spare His own Son but delivered Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Whom will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. And that's why, you know, you can go to Jesus and he will intercede to Father on your behalf. Whom shall separate us from the love of God? Sorry, love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of sword? There you go. Nothing can separate you today from the love of God. God loves you. God loves you. Can't be taken away. For it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And folks, that's all I can do today is present to you the Jesus that can help you conquer whatever situation you're in.
0: a big big subject Um, the offer is always there that if anybody would like